Welcome to the All Things Work podcast from the Society for Human Resource Management. I'm your host, Tony Lee, Head of Editorial Operations here at SHRM. Thank you for joining us. All Things Work is an audio adventure during which we talk with thought leaders and tastemakers to give you an insider's perspective on all things work. Joining me today is Dan Schabel to talk about technical dystopia. No, that's not a new series on Netflix. It's actually the feeling that employees may experience as AI and automation replaces their jobs. Dan is a New York Times bestselling author and the managing partner of Workplace Intelligence, a research and advisory firm helping HR adapt to trends, drive performance, and prepare for the future. Dan's also the author of three career books, Back to Human, Promote Yourself, and Me 2.0, and he's the host of the Five Questions podcast. Throughout his career, Dan has conducted dozens of research studies and worked with such companies as American Express and GE, Microsoft, Virgin, IBM, Coca-Cola, and Oracle. Dan, it's really an honor to have you join us here on All Things Work. So happy to be here with you. And such a big topic, too. Uh, It's a great topic and a frightening topic, depending on your perspective. But the World Economic Forum estimates that more than a billion people are going to need to be reskilled by 2030. The question is, is it a dystopia? Or is it something better than that? What, what are your initial thoughts on what's going to happen to employees when automation takes over? There'll be winners and losers. Every single job in the world will be impacted. Every industry will be impacted. And I don't think everyone's wrapped their heads around how long this is going to take and exactly how it's going to play out. I've looked at many, many research studies. I've led research studies with various companies. And the sentiment has changed. The impact is unclear, but the sentiment's changed. So for instance, a study I led with Oracle over the past two years, in 2018, we found that globally, people were resisting the change that AI and all these new technologies were going to have and and, and the impact that was going to be felt. And then last year, we did a very similar study and found that no, now they're very optimistic and they actually see the value in AI improving their work lives. Also in the Oracle study from last year, 40% of HR leaders say that AI will make the HR professional obsolete. Now, when I talk about this to various HR leaders and people in different parts of the organization, like marketing and operations, they respond by saying, oh, well, that's going to be the administrative part of HR compensation and benefits. Mm -hmm. So if we know that those groups are going to be affected the most, then as an HR professional, we need to think about how we can take on bigger roles. And I think that the future of the profession is going to be very collaborative. It's going to really lean on soft skills, but it's also going to be collaborative. Let me stop you there, because what I want to focus on is in the All Things Work article that uh, we're embedding this this podcast in, Tam Harbert, the author, really focuses on the dystopia and how it will impact employees whose jobs disappear versus the utopia, and you touched on it a little bit already, that some folks will value time as the new currency as opposed to compensation, that instead of losing their jobs, perhaps they will now have 25 or 30 hour work weeks and they won't care because if they're millennials or Gen Z, they're less focused on stuff and more focused on experience and having time. So maybe let's talk a little bit about if a dystopia isn't a dystopia, if it means less work necessarily, you know, there are alternatives to 50 and 60 hour weeks, right? 
Yeah, and this is absolutely going to be a huge focus for me this year. And it's something I've studied actually in the past year. I led a study with Kronos, who's very big in the HR world. And we asked a question, actually. We said, you know, if pay was constant, how many days a week would you work? And most people said four days. And But what was also very interesting is one of the answer choices was zero, <laughs> meaning that let's say you're getting paid $80,000, you get the same amount for working no days as in always being in perpetual vacation versus four mm-hmm. or five days. And like 4% of people said zero days. So people want to work, they just don't want to mm-hmm. work five days. And I think that the big promise of technology that hasn't really been talked about too much is maybe... AI and all these new technologies starts eliminating a lot of the hours of work we're spending on things we don't want to do. Right. Whether people admit it or not, there's certain tasks you're performing every day that you would rather not do. Mm-hmm. We might just do them because they're habits. We might do them because we have to do them. But man, if technology comes along that can eliminate that work, that will free up time so we can do what everyone wants to do regardless of age is spend time with family and friends, relationships with the currency of life. So I think that the goal, hopefully, with technology is even though in the short term, it feels like it's created all this new work or we feel like we're always kind of working because we're using it and are always on call, potentially, once this gets advanced enough, it does the opposite, which could be a very, very good world for everyone. But like we were saying before, there could be some winners and losers, which means And and as you alluded to with with your stats on like upskilling and retraining the workforce and, you know, there's a lack of a jobs program in the White House right now. We've got a lot of problems and the skills gap still remains at over about 6.5 million unfilled jobs, even though there's a low unemployment rate. I think that it's forcing people to make changes in their careers. So you can either make changes now or you can be forced to make changes later. And it's much better to prepare for the future now because otherwise you're scrambling and it, and uh, there's a lot more pressure on you and it's harder to make a, a good decision about where you want to work. Right. That's why actually what's a big trend now, and this won't surprise you because of all the stats that Sherm releases and, and uh, LinkedIn and, and various organizations is not only is there a skills gap and a digital gap, but there's a lack of the soft skills. So in one way, technology is isolating people, thus, especially with younger generations, hurting their soft skills. But at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, it's automating a lot of those hard skills, thus increasing the demand for the soft skills that people, especially young people, don't have as much because of the reliance on technology. I mean, that's going to be a huge challenge for employers because, you know, if you're you own a big restaurant chain, all of your restaurant workers become redundant with technology. You don't need them thanks to automation or you have a trucking company and you no longer need your truck drivers because trucking has been automated. The question becomes, what's your responsibility? Do you attempt to train those employees with greater soft skills so they could fill other opportunities? Or do you simply report to your shareholders that we've reduced expenses dramatically, we've automated our operation and Good luck to all those folks who used to work here. I think it's going to be a combination and it's going to depend on the the role, the responsibilities, the industry. I think there's a lot of factors. So there's no silver bullet for anything, in my opinion. I think there's always multiple things that are happening at once and and different opportunities that are created, whereas different things that uh, are going to be non-existent. And so I think that you might see a shift of workers from one industry to a completely different industry. My big fear 
is actually not even, I mean, I think the restaurant, you know, world the food beverage industry is highly susceptible to this. I mean, it also has the highest turnover rate for employees, especially, you know, the hourly workers. So I, I think the biggest fear is actually trucking, mm-hmm. you know, for a truck driver to learn some of these new modern skills could be a bigger stretch because maybe a lot of them don't have the educational background and the cost to obtain the uh, credentials necessary to do data science or artificial intelligence or or lead a team might not be there. It might be too. Might be a really big stretch. So the other thing that's happening though is that in a sense education is becoming both more expensive and cheaper at the same time. Meaning that the more money you have, the closer you get to a teacher, but there's options for everyone, right? So I kind of, I call like the education, like class warfare in a sense, where if you are from a very wealthy family and you're, you know, your parents went to Harvard or Ivy League schools, you can continue on the same path. You can afford it. You can get that education and continue to, you know, prosper as a family. But if you're, you know, don't have as much money and are kind of struggling in that respect, there are websites for you. There are books, there's online tutorials, there's, you know, Udacity, there's Khan Academy, there are different platforms, YouTube videos. So there are all sorts of ways to educate yourself like there wasn't 10, 20, 30 years ago. So I think that there's, there are opportunities for people to make transitions because of the cost structure of education. But I think for more intense roles, it's going to be harder because the need for an instructor-led course is so much greater. So it's a fascinating time when like things are both becoming more expensive, like the student loan crisis is at $1.6 trillion now, right? So the cost of education is so high. But at the same time, there's different tiers of education for different types of learners and with different cost structures. So it's good and bad. And just like everything else, like in my book, Back to Human, and when we talk about technology, it's a double-edged sword. It can be good or bad. There's pros and cons to everything. And I guess when you're talking about truck drivers, obviously may not have the education, but frankly, there are four or five times more restaurant workers than there are truck drivers. And they probably don't have the education either. You know, they're working hourly jobs because that's all they can find and that's all they're qualified for. So when those jobs disappear, the question becomes, does that then feed, you know, a populist movement to address income inequality and, and educational inequality? I mean, right now you have a, a capitalist system where pretty much anyone, especially in this time and day, anyone can find a job. It may be an hourly job, but there are jobs. After a technical dystopia, you know, where AI replaces 40% of all jobs, which is what McKinsey is, is estimating, there are no jobs for these folks. And so do you end up in a situation where people are protesting, people are looking for income from sources that aren't there? I mean, that's truly the dystopia. That's the, the Netflix series. That's, the, you know, The Walking Dead, where, where folks have no options. Is that a possibility? Or do you think that we're more attuned toward the utopia, where we have shorter work weeks and there's retraining and it's not as scary as, as some people think? I completely see your position on this, and I agree. I think that there is going to be more and more pressure year over year for universal basic income or just some sort of safety net. Because... In terms of at a high level, uh, if you know if you're a very wealthy person, oh, it's not you know it's not my problem. It ends up being your problem because the more people that are homeless, the more people that are desperate, they're going to come with their pitchforks, as they say. Meaning that we should want to take care of people and help them transition. And I think that this not only comes down to universal basic income, but I think the United States needs some sort of 
big upskilling program. We need to start investing a lot in training and development and not expect each individual company to do it because I've led two studies on upskilling over the past two years. And a lot of companies would just rather outsource and automate rather than you know, retrain their current workers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we need the government to support people in helping them retrain. Going back to your question, I'm, I sit in the middle. I sit in the middle. I think there should be a safety net. You know, I, I believe in universal health care. I believe in a lot of the safety structures. And I, and I only do it as a reaction to, you know, reading about, you know, half of Americans are in poverty and, you know, a good percentage can't afford a $1,000 emergency fund. And the number one reason why people go broke is, broke is because of healthcare. So it's hard for me not to want those protections in place, right? You want to live in a world where you can walk outside and, you know, for the most part, people are, are mobile and, and can support themselves and their family. You don't want people to choose between, you know, going to the hospital and, and feeding their son and daughter. That's That seems very scary and you wouldn't want anyone to endure that. So I believe in the safety net, mm-hmm. but I also... And very curious and optimistic that we could be in a, a place in the future where our workday is shortened. And as long as there's the safety net, that I think what you're saying and what I agree with, and we're on the same page on this, is I think the safety net plus the shorter workday combined can work really well together. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I have no answers, Dan. I'm, I'm speculating based on again the research, like the research that you're citing and and that we've included in our in our article here, that there must be some alternative for employees short of uh, or in addition to what their employers are providing. Because, you know, as you just said, if you rely on employers and if I'm running HR for for a company, I don't want to be responsible for the livelihood of folks that I no longer have job opportunities for. I, I don't think that falls within my Bailey week and I, I don't think I have the resources to make it happen. But it will happen. I mean, it, it, based on everything that we are reading, when again, 5.4 million restaurant workers, it, it can happen in a couple of years. You know, the, the most expensive restaurant experience will be when you actually have a server because you won't need one anywhere else, right? It'll all be automated. Yeah, it's like what I tell my, my friends in the hotel industry, the Ritz-Carlton, the Four Seasons, they're going to have to always have people because the expectation, especially with the demographic they're looking to have stay at their hotels, is going to be looking for that. Whereas, you know, there's a fast casual restaurant in Boston, Massachusetts, which is like robot run, literally. But, you know, that's one restaurant. Is it going to happen to every restaurant in the country? Maybe not. Maybe fine dining, you'll have, you know, more people. Whereas fast casual and fast food, no, because just think about it at a high level from a business outlook. If McDonald's could replace all their workers with robots and not, you know, suffer any issues or, or any legal disputes, they wouldn't have harpy if it worked, right? So the incentive is to do it. The incentive is to do it, right? And they are actually testing it in Asia. Look at Panera Bread in the United States. They hit a tipping point. They realized they didn't need counter help anymore. And so they eliminated counter help and went with kiosks. Your local grocery store, walk into a grocery store that doesn't have self-checkout lanes anymore. So we're not, we're not that far off. I'll tell you something interesting. When I was at the Seattle airport, I walked by this McDonald's and there was a cashier standing next to a robo cashier (laughs) and it was 50% in each line. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, wow, they're testing this out and they're not only collecting data to see if it works or not or what people are leaning to, but this is the sign of the future because like my dad says, you have to walk before you run. 
So that's McDonald's walking before they run, meaning that they're testing out to see, you know, if there's any issues with the machines and how many people are using it. And they're slowly trying to change behavior. Absolutely. Right. And so eventually that's where McDonald's, that's an example that you can project out in the future as being something that is more universal because they're in business. The incentive is lowering costs and increasing revenue so that you can take to the bank. Right. And, And I think that knowing this is happening, the government has to do something. And we have actually asked in various surveys, whose responsibility is your own learning and development? And people say themselves and their company and their school. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is up to all of us to, uh, you know, and we should have asked and the government too, right? And I think a lot would say that right? or should. You know, it's like it's like everyone asked me about the four-day work week because we had such a huge study and it was mm-hmm. all over the airwaves. And and I'm like, yeah, even in Finland, they had to retract. Like, and they came out and the government in Finland came out and they said, yeah, we're going to have a four day work week for the whole country. But then they came out and said, yeah, we'll try and do this in the future. Like, it sounds great, but if the government's not behind a big movement like that, it's probably not going to happen. Like, you see that there's a big change now in Europe and like, you know, the UK and other countries where they're closing the gender pay gap mm-hmm. because the government's involved and they have to hand over gender pay data. And if it's not even between men and women, I think this is in France, they actually get penalized 1% of their entire payroll. So it's, it's really about that. The government needs to get involved. I think that at the highest level that has to happen. But in the meantime, because we can't wait for the government to do something, right? We need to at minimum as HR professionals, as just people, we need to take charge of our learning and development. And a lot of learning comes from other people too. I have a chapter three in Back to Human is about shared learning. You know, we talk in HR circles about lifelong learning and continuous learning environments and cultures. And I think that we have to take that seriously. We can't just say it. We have to, you know, invest in it and not rely on other people, but also make sure that we're part of the learning process, not just our own, but others. Yeah. Now that makes perfect sense. Well, I think we've run out of time, Dan. We, we've covered a lot in a short period of time. I'll, I'll add one more comment, which is it's possible that with the shorter work weeks, maybe folks will have more time for community service and giving back. And that can be company uh, supported and employer sponsored as well. So who knows, dystopia or utopia? It sounds like we're falling somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so we'll see where we go. That's going to do it for this episode of All Things Work. A big thank you to Dan Schauble for joining me and discussing uh, this this important topic. Before we get out of here, I just want to encourage everyone to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, be sure to give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And also, be sure to check out Sherm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can find all of our episodes and more podcasts on our website at sherm.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on All Things Work.